I'd like to ask you, if you would, to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. There's always a Bible app event. You can follow along on a version Bible app. I have a question about what's on the screen. I don't know if you can see it online there or not. Uh, it's uh, something on the screen there. And I'm going to say, I'm going to pick some people here. Um, let's go with uh, Rex. Don't tell me what it is, but do you know what that is? It's a yes or no question. Not sure. Okay. Um, and, and Rex, you're 12 years old? Yeah, okay, 12 years old. So let me go to someone a tiny, tiny bit older. Um, let me check with um, Alan. Do you know what that is? Yeah, okay, don't tell. And how old are you? 15? 16. Do you know how old you are? <laughs> it's not you, it's me, right? I got that, yeah. Addison, do you know what this is? Yeah, did you know what it was three hours ago? No, because we told you, right? Yeah. So what that is, is that is a needle on a phonograph on a hi-fi stereo. Back in the days of the Fred Flintstones and Barney Rubble, we had these platters. They were made of vinyl. And you, you had a physical groove spiraling into the center of that. And you laid a needle down into it. And it produced high-fidelity music. Uh, it was a wonder to behold, a technological wonder. Uh, when I show you that, some of you are like, yeah, I don't really know what that is. But if I show you this, you're like, oh, I know exactly what that is. Yeah, that's a Wi-Fi symbol. I don't know what a hi-fi is, but I know what a Wi-Fi is. I, I can get that straight. What you may or may not know is that the name Wi-Fi is the engineers who decided to name it that they were making a pun, sort of a twist on a term hi-fi. And they were thinking of the old hi-fi stereos that everybody has. We still have one in our home. We have the big pioneer speakers there that will handle 300 watts of deafening power. And we have the turntable as well with the Beatles records to go with it. Yeah. So yeah, the, the hi-fi is where the word Wi-Fi came from. Now, that hi-fi, that was short for high fidelity. And here's what it meant. It meant the sound that you're hearing coming out of those Pioneer speakers, or if you could afford them, those Bose speakers, or if you could afford the Boston acoustic speakers. Oh my goodness. When you put those Boston acoustic speakers, one on each ear, I mean, you're laying on the floor, you got one on each side. It was like Stevie Nicks was singing right to you with Fleetwood Mac. I, she was there in the room. It was a high fidelity recording that was being reproduced. It was true to the original. And applying that concept to Wi-Fi just kind of made sense. Applying it to computer networks makes sense. Because when you have a computer one place and it is networked or wired to a computer somewhere else, if you do not have a great degree of fidelity in the transmission of the data from the computer to the screen, you know what happens, right? Oh, look at that. That's what we've seen every Sunday for the past two or three years, right? And that's been a problem with our fidelity of the signal. By the way, I'm going to say this. I've said it like 20 times. I've been wrong every time, but here it is again. I think we got that fixed, okay? I'm just saying, I think we got it fixed, yeah. It's interesting to me that when Jesus is speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, he takes some time to speak about fidelity, in fact, throughout the entire message, I think he's talking about fidelity in life, being who you're supposed to be as a citizen of the kingdom, being a true representation of the kingdom itself and of the king himself. 
And as he's speaking here in his Sermon on the Mount, which we've been working through for the past several weeks, he gives you some really important clues or pointers on how to guard your fidelity. They're a little bit heavy. Jesus says some really heavy things here. But I want you to understand, he's not saying that because he's a cosmic killjoy. He's saying that because as a citizen of the kingdom, you want to guard yourself and be a man or a woman of good fidelity. One of the first things he says is to guard your hearts against distraction. Because distraction in your walk with Christ, distraction in the kingdom of God, is something that is going to diminish your fidelity. Now, you know what distraction is, right? I mean, if you're on the internet, on any social media at all, you've seen this picture with different texts to go with it. It's a couple walking away on the right, and the girl in the red dress, and the guy turns around and looks at her, and, and, and if you could see the girl's face, you'd be like, she's so mad, right? Because he's distracted from what he should be uh, paying attention to. And while that can do for some funny memes here on social media, it's not funny in the kingdom of God. In fact, it's a problem that we need to guard our hearts against in the kingdom of God. And Jesus speaks about that in verse 27, the first verse we're going to read. We're going to read this passage as we go this morning. And in verse 27, Jesus says this. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. Wow. Lust. (laughs) It's one of the many things that can distract hearts from the kingdom and distractions. Sometimes they're like that. They're just plain bad. They're bad things that can distract you in the kingdom. In the Bible, in the book of Galatians chapter 5, you read words that say, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, but just in case you're in denial about them, it doesn't say that, but it feels like it's saying that, Let me list some of them for you. And then God goes on to list some sexual immorality, impurity. He says idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, jealousy, rage, envy, selfish division, drunkenness. Those are not part of the kingdom. Those are distractions from who you should be in the kingdom. Some distractions, they're just plain bad and you know they're bad, right? But there's other distractions as well that in and of themselves are good and yet they can be a distraction like family, or friends, sports, recreation, earning a living. All of those things are good, maybe even essential, until they diminish your fidelity. They're good, they're essential, until they distract you from being who you should be in the kingdom. And Jesus is saying in the kingdom, we guard our hearts from distraction. And he also goes on to say, it's easy for us to fool ourselves. Well, he doesn't say that, but the implication is there. That it's very easy for you and I to fool ourselves that we're not being distracted, we're okay. Let me give you an example of this. When I was in high school, I worked in a garage, Texaco garage on Interstate 80. The the price was very high because we really didn't want to sell you gas, we wanted to fix your car. It was a three-bay garage, and those guys were some of the best mechanics around. Well, you have to know that a three-bay garage that is easily accessible to people who live in town attracts guys who just want to come there and loaf, you know? And so the old guys would come in, the old retired guys would come in, and they'd stand around watching Ed and Lanny work on vehicles there, and, and they'd tell stories. And every now and then, the kind of stories they would tell would be stories that Jesus might be speaking about here in this passage. Stories like the Galatians passage addresses. 
And one old guy used to tell those stories. I remember he would tell stories of a beautiful woman he'd seen and he'd give way more detail than you'd want to know or some young lady that he'd seen and he'd be talking about her. And then at the end, almost as if to justify himself that he's not being bad, okay, he would say this sentence. He would say, hey, I'm not placing an order. I'm just looking at the menu. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And he may never order from that menu, right? But as he gazes upon that menu, he is not guarding his heart. He's not guarding his heart. He's fooling himself into feeling like I'm not really being distracted, but he is being distracted from who God would have him to be. It is dangerous, Jesus says, to leave our hearts open like that, to leave our hearts open to attack and distraction. And Jesus uses some strong language here. I mean, take a look at verse 29. Listen to what he says. He says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better for you to lose part of your body than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. It is better for you to use one, lose one part of your body than for you to be thrown into hell, for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, let me just say this, because gotta say this, okay? Jesus does not want you to gouge your eye out, all right? He's making a point, a very important point, and the point is this, that men and women of fidelity guard their hearts against that kind of distraction, or any kind of distraction. Now, I want to tell you about some friends of mine who have done this, who have seen that something was distracting them from being who God wanted them to be, and they said, I'm going to take some drastic measure. I'm not going to pluck my eye out or cut my arm off, but I'm going to take some drastic measure to deal with this. The first one is a guy. He's a friend of mine. He's in his mid-30s. And he realized that for him, the only way he would be a man of fidelity was to trade his smartphone for a flip phone. And here's what he said. There is just too much sinful distraction on that internet for me to carry it around in my pocket. That's what he said. He didn't pluck out his eye. He traded his phone. Let me tell you another one. A woman said to me not long ago that she wasn't on Facebook. In fact, I went to her. I said, hey, I don't see you on Facebook anymore. And she said, yeah, I got off of it. There was too much, her word, distraction there. And you can imagine the ways that that would show up. It would make a person unproductive, (laughs) right? It, It could make a person jealous of every little thing that they see on there. And it can seal your fidelity. So she deleted Facebook. She got rid of her account. Now you may or may not have to take such drastic measures as that. I'm certainly not advising you to. Did you hear that sentence? I'm not advising that you do that. What I am advising is this. Look for things that distract you from being who you should be in a kingdom and deal with them. Even if you have to deal with them radically. Because that would be essential for you to be a man or a woman of fidelity. And that is who we should be in the kingdom. So number one, you see it at the top of the screen, we guard our hearts against distraction. Number two, we guard our hearts against deception. Look at what Jesus says in the very next verse, verse 31. He says, it has been said that anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her a victim of adultery and anyone who marries that divorced woman commits adultery. Wow, (laughs) that seems like a bunch of people are in bad trouble, right? 
It almost feels as though, and please stay with me here. Please stay with me. It almost seems as though Jesus is saying, unless your spouse commits sexual immorality, you can never divorce and you surely can never remarry. It is almost as though, stay with me, it's almost as though Jesus is giving you the loophole. Think of that phrase. You know, it's wrong for you to get divorced unless, you know, if you find out that he's been cheating on you or she's been cheating on you, that's the loophole. That's, in fact, I've even errantly myself referred to it as the exception clause, you know? Jesus is not about loopholes. He is not a tax attorney. He is not a legalist. He is not writing a new law to replace the Old Testament law. That is not what he is about at all. What Jesus is doing is trying to get people to look at their heart because it is your heart that is subject to deception. Your heart is the issue. And I believe that what he is saying is, hey, if you're going to get a divorce, you better have a good reason. And it certainly better not be because she's sexier than your wife or he's more handsome than your husband. You're not going to fool yourself with that, let alone fool me with that. Do you understand what he's saying? Don't deceive yourself. Don't allow yourself to be distracted. There's no fidelity in that. You know, in the kingdom, we avoid this issue of deception when we avoid rationalizing sin. You know what I mean when I say rationalizing sin, right? It's what people do when they find themselves confronted with the truth about their sin and they suggest that the circumstances made it so they had no option and they just had to do that and they've rationalized their sin. Did you notice what I did there? Something I very seldom do. I use the pronoun they. Because you and me, we don't have trouble with that, do we? (laughs) Yeah, right. We all tend to rationalize, make excuses. Do you want some examples? Well, I'll tell you what. I wouldn't have had that problem if she hadn't been dressed that way. Get over it, guys. Don't rationalize that way. How about this one? Well, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but you know, there's really nothing else. There's a pandemic. What am I going to do? Hmm. Rationalizing. Or what about this one? Yeah, I know there's a need for that to happen, but you know, God's sovereign. He wants that to happen. He'll do it without any help from me. Rationalization. Think about that for a moment. Fidelity is being who you should be. And if you are a follower of Jesus, that means you should be someone who follows Jesus. And Jesus, Jesus does not rationalize things. And when you do that, you're saying, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm not really following him here. (laughs) That doesn't work. That's not the way of the kingdom. There's no, there's no fidelity there. In the kingdom, rather than rationalizing our sin, we actually can find help for our sin because we find help from others to avoid the deception. Kingdom. That very word kingdom, it implies that there are people there. You cannot have a kingdom if you're the only one there, right? There's got to be others around. People who are like us, who are followers of the king. People who are like us, who work together to honor the king. People who are like us who grow together to become better men and women with higher fidelity in our lives. People people who can live lives of fidelity together. 
One of the values of Kerbinsville Alliance has that idea of together woven throughout it. The value reads like this. We grow best together. We share the good and the bad in life honestly, pushing one another to grow as we live our faith. We like working together, learning more about God, and worshiping together. If we were writing that over again, I would suggest we put the word together in there 10 more times, right? Because when you're together, working together, you can avoid deception. Because while you may be fooled into thinking this is a good idea because maybe it's expedient or something and and you can rationalize it, chances are if you're with some other believers, someone's going to say, I think maybe there's a better way to think about this. And it can even come to the point when you're with other believers that they can help you see your own flaw in your life and correct your course into a more healthy pattern than it's in. I I told you before about a life-changing moment in my life. I was in Brockton, Massachusetts at a, at a conference. It was a spiritual life kind of a conference. And while I was there, they were talking about lies that people believe. And one of the lies that I have believed since I was a little boy is that I'm dumb. Isn't that funny? Someone as smart as me thinks he's dumb. It's just a, a lie that I believed. And when I would be sitting at the table, in the back of my mind, this kind of, this kind of audio played that said, everyone else here is smarter than you. Don't say something stupid. Don't let them know how dumb you are. It was just always there. And it's very interesting. After one of those seminars, we went into breakout sessions. And I can remember, I'm there with my friend who's uh, from Pennsylvania. He and I are there together. And I tell him, I just can't seem to shake this, this feeling I have. This lie is what, this deception that was in my life. I remember, he stood there just like this. He had his hands in his pockets. He just looked at me and as casually as you can imagine, this other citizen of the kingdom, as casually as you can imagine, he says to me, Steve, when are you going to quit believing the lie? Right now. Right now. And I quit believing the lie. And that's why I know I'm smarter than all you put together. (laughs) Yeah, but listen, that only happened because I found help in the kingdom to help me grow together. And if I had not had my friends standing there in the parking lot, I would still be dealing probably with that same deception. Do you see how being together helps us guard ourselves in the kingdom? And it protects us from deception. It's the kingdom way. So number one was guard yourself from distraction. Number two is guard yourself from deception. The third thing that I see Jesus addressing here is to guard your hearts against duplicity. You know what duplicity is, right? It's being double-minded. It's being two-faced. It's double-dealing. Duplicity is being deceitful. It's being dishonest. It's cheating. It's conniving. Duplicity. And Jesus talks about that in verse 33. I mean, if you read verse 33, he says, again, you've heard it was said to people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by earth, for it's God's footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot control even one, you cannot make even one hair white or black. So one time I was in a small group, this has got to be 25 years ago, maybe closer to 30. I was in a small group with a, with a group of people, and one of my buddies, uh, we were reading this passage of Scripture, and one of my buddies said, that's why, if I'm ever called to testify in a court of law, I am not putting my hand on that Bible and my right hand up to God. 
Because Jesus says, don't do that. Now, I understand what he was thinking, right? But I don't think that's Jesus' point at all in this passage. Jesus isn't saying it's wrong to take an oath. And one of the reasons I say that is because he himself took an oath. God took an oath. You remember when Abraham had taken his son, his only son who he loved, to Mount Moriah to offer him to God. At the end of that story, the angel of the Lord calls Abraham from heaven a second time and says, this is God speaking, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And make you, and then it goes on with the blessing. But you understand, God is swearing by himself. He's, there's no one higher to swear by, <laughs> right? And, and he's taking an oath, right? So Jesus isn't saying oaths are bad. That's not his thing. Jesus is saying much, something much more simple than that and maybe a little more convicting than that. He's saying you shouldn't be the kind of person that needs to take an oath. You shouldn't be the kind of person that we can't trust you unless you're under some kind of oath. Because in a kingdom, the drums do not beat to the beat of duplicity. Kingdom people are known for their fidelity because in the kingdom, truth is honored. In verse 37, Jesus says, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond that is from the evil one. No one has to take some kind of a lawyer's stethoscope to check your heart to make sure you're telling the truth in in the kingdom. Kingdom people honor truth. Okay, now listen. The failure to honor truth is one of the most prevalent and damaging characteristic of our society. I'm going to say that sentence again. The failure to honor truth is one of the most prevalent and damaging characteristics of our society. Voices in our society care very little for truth. And it doesn't matter what the topic is. It could be the arena of sports. It could be the arena of politics. It could be the arena of religion. It could be the really, anyone, any arena. We don't honor truth as a society. In fact, a buddy of mine recently said to me, he said this past week, that truth is less important than the ability to silence your opponent. And it is. And that's sad. And you see it all the time. I mean, look at the smear tactics that used to be just a tool of politicians to use on one another, but look at society today. And look how the man in the pew, and I don't mean these pews, but the everyday guy, the everyday woman, uses smear tactics to advance their political candidate or their political agenda. And they don't care if it's true or not. It doesn't matter that it's true. If it's expedient, if it advances my agenda, then it's good. Well, they might say, (laughs) the other side's doing the very same thing. And when they say that, if I say that, then I am not just showing contempt for the other side. I am showing contempt for the truth. And that is never the way of the kingdom. Never. That is not fidelity. Rather than being known for your propaganda, in the kingdom, people radiate honesty. I mean, it's like they exude honesty. Here's what I mean by that. Let me just say it just in black and white so that it's very clear. Kingdom people examine their words to make sure that what they're saying corresponds with reality 
I don't need a fact checker. I'll check it myself. And if it doesn't correspond with reality, I won't say it if I'm a kingdom person. What I'm about to say here, is that really true? Kingdom people dismiss expedience. You understand what I mean by expedience? I mean, this works. It's expedience. It's smart. It may not be true, but it gets the job done. Kingdom people dismiss that and say, sure, this might get it done, but it's deceitful. And I will not be a man or a woman of deceit. That's kingdom people. They think, kingdom people do, of the one with a capital O who is the way, the truth, and the life. And they make sure that that which they communicate through their words or through their person or through their behavior corresponds to and reflects him because they want their lives to be marked by fidelity. And fidelity is reflecting accurately the one you are to reflect, the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember when you were a kid, and uh, I remember in third grade doing this. Somebody would say something. My dad is president of the United States, <laughs> you know. Something just silly, like little kids say, you know. And someone else would say, cross your heart and hope that I stick a needle in your eye. Remember that? That was early fact-checking right there. <laughs> oh, no, if I have to cross my eye, uh, I can't do that. I don't want a needle in my eye. No, my dad is not president of the United States, you know, that kind of thing, right? There are probably people you still want to do that with, right? Cross your heart and hope to die? Stick a needle in your eye? One of the elders here, Dave, says that he knows people that would rather tell a lie even when telling the truth would be easier. <laughs> right? That's not acting with fidelity. That's not the way of the kingdom. I want you to think of people you know who radiate honesty because that concept, they radiate honesty, is kind of a, maybe a hard one to get. I'm just going to give you some names. I do not have permission to use these names, but I'm using them anyway. Think of Jim and Sid. They radiate honesty. Think of Perry and Sue. They radiate honesty. Think of Josh and Jess. They radiate honesty. You would never have to go to them and say, cross your heart and hope to die. Well, no, I was lying. Put the needle away. <laughs> they radiate truth. They live with, you with fidelity. And they are men and women of the kingdom. You're probably familiar with the phrase Semper Fi because of your exposure to the United States Marine Corps. It is a shortened version of the Latin Semper Fidelis. And Fidelis means fidelity. It can be translated a number of ways. Most commonly it means always faithful. Maybe uh, more literally one might say it means always marked by fidelity. That's what I am. I'm always marked by fidelity. By the way, the earliest record we have of any organization using that is 700 years ago. I want you to think about that. 700 years, this motto has been important to humankind that we know of. And who knows how long it was used before then. We just know that a little town in France used it for their motto, Semper Fi. The United States Marine Corps adopted it in 1983. It's a great motto. Nope, 1883. Thank you. And you start talking about the Marines, you get it wrong. You're going to get the tar beat out of you after church. So I'm a little, little careful here. The United States Marine Corps adopted it in 1883. It's a great motto. Always faithful. 
To what? What are they always faithful to? And I might guess, they might say, well, I'm always faithful to the flag of the United States of America. That's good. I like that. They might say, I'm always faithful to the commander-in-chief. No matter who he is, always faithful. Maybe, yeah, should be. I am always faithful to the government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Good, yep, like that. Or, I'm always faithful to the other Marines. When we go in, we all come back out. Always faithful, fighting shoulder to shoulder. It's probably all of the above to a greater or lesser degree, right? But at a most basic level, I would hope the Marines or anyone else serving in a similar capacity and belonging to a similar organization would be faithful to their office. Here's what I mean by that. That a Marine would be faithful to what it is that a Marine should be and not your poor excuse for a Marine, buddy. No fidelity there. Always faithful would mean, what is your office? I am a United States Marine, sir. Be true to that office. Act like it. I would hope that when a Marine says Semper Fi, he or she is saying, I am being who I should be as a Marine. Faithful to that. I expect that of them. And Jesus expects that of those in the kingdom. He expects fidelity. That his followers would be followers of him. And he expects that we would guard ourselves against distraction and rid ourselves of whatever it is that causes us to stumble, even if that means taking extreme action. He expects that we would guard ourselves against deception and look to other citizens in the kingdom to help us see clearly when it seems like maybe we're lying to ourselves so we can act with fidelity. And he expects us to guard our hearts against duplicity, to make our yes be yes and our no be no, to fact check ourselves, <laughs> and to live lives of truth for the one who is the truth. I want to pray that we can do that. So if you're comfortable doing so, let's stand together. And would you bow your heart with me in prayer? Lord Jesus, we are thankful for your love for us and how you speak 2,000 years ago on a hillside along the Sea of Galilee and those words apply to us right here and now. The relevance of your words is remarkable, Jesus. Thank you for calling us to fidelity. Thank you for allowing us to be your followers. Thank you for giving us this wisdom that we need to guard our hearts from distraction and get rid of whatever it is that might make us stumble. Thank you for that instruction. Help us to do that and act with fidelity as we do. Help us to guard our hearts against deception, that we would not lie to ourselves, but that we would find ourselves in a kingdom where other people can speak truth into our life. Make it happen, God, that we would be men and women of fidelity. And help us guard our hearts against duplicity. That tendency we have to exaggerate or to say things that are expedient because it's going to get, it's going to get that person's mind changed, even if it might not be true, Oh, Jesus, please take that away from your church. Please. Make us men and women of honesty. Men and women of fidelity. Do this by your Holy Spirit. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.